Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Man, I'm just so excited that we get to kick off this new study that we're doing in the book of Numbers. So if you have a copy of God's Word, once you find the book of Numbers, chapter 11 is where we're going to be at. And uh, Numbers, if you're new to the Bible, it's in the first part of your Bible. You picked really a good night to come because you shouldn't have too much of a problem. If you just start at the beginning, you do table of contents, and you can go over to Genesis, and you'll find Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and then Numbers. You're going to find Numbers, chapter 11. I was talking to a few people that know a little bit about the Bible, and they're like, where are we headed tonight? I'm like, we're, we're headed to Numbers. And they were like, okay. <laughs> Didn't know that, you know, young adult ministries are on trend studying the book of Numbers, you know what I'm saying? And so I love that we get to come in here and we get to take a deep dive into God's Word because you need to know this, that every bit of God's Word is inspired. And sometimes we like to gloss over things that we maybe don't really, you know, if the book says Numbers, we're like, yeah, I'm going to skip that one, you know. But there's a lot of truths that we can mine out of this book of Numbers, and I'm so excited to be there. Now, before we get going any further, I want to ask you a question. What do you think is like one of the worst sins ever? One of the worst sins ever, you know? Now, I know some of y'all are already thinking like um, about that Criminal Minds episode that you was listening to last week, and like it was dark, and like and you shouldn't have listened to it, but you're like, I got to find out how dark it gets, you know? Like some of y'all, some of y'all, it's a problem, all right? You know what I'm saying? But you, maybe you're thinking about something you heard about on the news, something you listened to, and you're like, yep, that's it. That sin, that way, that was gross, that's the worst one ever. But let me propose to you that tonight we're going to be looking at one of the worst sins that you and I can commit. And one of the worst sins that you and I can commit, according to God's word, is a sin of attitude. It's something not really you do, but it's something you think. Now, I know some of y'all, if you've been to church, you've been in a space like this, you're probably already thinking, that's an overstatement? Come on, man. What are you talking about? A sin of attitude? You weren't going to go with like some kind of dark, dirty thing? That's where? No, it really is a sin of attitude. Because here's what I know to be true, that, that the punishment determines the weight of the crime. And when you look at the way that God punished one of the, one of the worst sins in all of the Bible, you're going to find out that this sin, the sin of an attitude, was something that God takes really, really serious. See, God, he, he gave one of his greatest demonstrations of his wrath, and it happens in the book of Numbers, that God cursed an entire generation to die in a desert because of their grumbling attitude. And I would contend that this is the greatest catastrophe or the greatest outpouring of God's wrath in the entire Bible outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's what it says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 29. This is the pronouncement. God says this, in this wilderness, to his people, he says, in this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the senses and who has grumbled against me. God takes your attitude and my attitude very serious. Now, this word grumble, it's, a, it's an onomatopoeia in the Hebrew. You know what that is? I don't know if y'all remember English class, an onomatopoeia. That's just a big fancy word that means that it, it, it is what it sounds like, like splash is an onomatopoeia. You know, like drip is an onomatopoeia. And this word in the Hebrew, the word for grumbling, it's in some translations translated complaining or even murmuring. It's an onomatopoeia. It is what it sounds like. And so the thing that God's like so down on that we're going to look at in the book of Numbers is that the, the people of God, they were just, just 
murdering, you know? They're like, I just don't like the what this is like. Oh, I don't like this. You ever been around somebody that just, you're just murdering? Where do you want to go eat? You make a choice. Like, what do you want to wear? You know, they just murmur, murmur, murmur. That's what it is. And the big thing that God is so down on is this attitude of grumbling, of murmuring. It's an attitude. And I would contend that you and I will stand before God someday and give an account, not for what we did, but also what we chose to think. If you need a definition of what an attitude is, an attitude, if you're taking notes, is this. It's a pattern of thinking developed over a period of time. An attitude is a pattern of thinking developed over a period of time. And you are in the driver's seat of your attitude. Now, don't confuse attitude with feelings. Uh, emotions and feelings, they, they kind of are, are responses to certain things in our life. And sometimes we'll feel something and we're like, I don't know why I feel this way. I'm just feeling this way. But attitudes are altogether different. Attitudes are the, the decisions that you make to think a certain way about a certain thing over a period of time. And when you and I have an attitude that is displeasing to the Lord, listen, it leads to a desert or a wilderness spiritually. God's people in this, in this book of Numbers, they had a choice. They could choose to trust God and walk into the promised land, or they could choose to doubt God and to complain against God and to grumble against God and spend their days in a wilderness, and that is exactly what they chose to do. And God judged them because of their attitude against them. Now, this is crazy, man. This book is wild, and we're going to be looking at a few different stories in this book, and you're about to see God do some stuff that, like, you never heard, like, oh, that's Old Testament God. Well, I think he got that reputation from the book of Numbers, because he's going to do some stuff that's like, man, he went off on them, all right? And he went off on them because he's trying to teach all of us how serious certain things are in our life. See, God thinks a lot about what you and I think about, and so it shouldn't surprise us that he wants us to live in an oasis of an attitude, not a desert. That God wants us to live in a promised land of thinking, not in a wilderness of thinking. And I'm convinced that so much of the distance that is in here tonight between you and your, your relationship with God, the distance that exists between you and God is because of an attitude that you've lived in and that you're bringing in here tonight. So we're kicking off this new series called Numbers. Well, we're going to be looking at five wilderness attitudes from the book of Numbers, and then we're going to look at their, their, their antithesis or their opposite attitude in the rest of the Bible. And we're going to be talking about putting off a certain attitude and putting on another attitude. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to die in a wilderness mentally, all right? I don't want to die in a wilderness. I don't want to be 45 years old and just just complaining about everything, right? I don't want to be the 65-year-old that just nobody wants like to the obligatory go visit your granddad, but you know he's just going to complain about the weather and complain about the country and complain about everything. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to live wilderness lifestyle in your attitude. I'm convinced that so much of the mental health issues are because we have chosen an attitude or a pattern of thinking that is contrary to what God wants for us. And I don't know about you, but I want to live in a promised land of my attitude. And I want to live underneath the blessing of God. Amen? So we're kicking off this new series, and I'm so excited that you're here tuning in. So I want you to lean in, listen up, find a copy of God's Word, take some notes, because I'm going to be teaching you some things about what God thinks about the way you think about life. So if you're taking notes, I've titled this message tonight, Stop Complaining. 
All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, you know what I'm saying? That's it. Stop complaining, all right? So many complaining out here, all right? We're going to talk about that tonight. Amen. Here's what we're going to see from God's Word, that complaining is a sin. We're going to see that God hates it, and we're going to see before we leave the consequences that come from a complaining attitude. Welcome to paradigm. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a heavy night, all right? We're getting Old Testament tonight. Praise God. So what's happened with God's people? If you don't know the story of God, really up until this point, God's like got a special people. He says, I'm going to bless the world through these people. And then they get enslaved in Egypt, and he raises up a guy named Moses that leads the people out of Egypt, and he's walking through a desert trying to get them to a promised land. God gives them a glimpse of the promised land. He sends 12 guys in there as like a spy, reconnaissance mission. Ten of them come back saying, man, it's everything that God said it was going to be, or all 12 did. And 10 of them come back and said, but we can't go to the promised land because we're going to die. But there were two guys that were like, die? What do you mean? We got God on our side. He parted the Red Sea. He led us by a cloud by day and a fire by night. You know, like that's the God we got, right? And they, they, they were saying, like, we have faith to believe that God can take us into this promised land. But unfortunately, the ten that chose not to believe, they influenced the whole community. And they chose to complain against God, and they chose not to believe that God was good enough to lead them into the promised land. And here's what, we, here's what we find in Numbers 11, starting in verse 1. Here's what it says. Now, when the people complained, that's the key word we're keying on tonight. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Now, if this doesn't speak to how God feels about our complaining, I don't know what will, all right? Point number one, if you're taking notes, you can just write this down. Complaining is a sin. Complaining is a sin. I think you could come in here tonight and you could be thinking, man, what, what is a sin? You know, somebody leaves some, it's like, I just I haven't really been to church in a while. And, and sin, I don't really know what sin is. Let me tell you what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. God has a standard or a bullseye of his righteousness or the way that the world is supposed to work. And, and sin is when we miss that bullseye. And what the Bible teaches is if the bullseye is here, we naturally aim over here. We don't even get close. We aim and let the thing go this way, that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's this tendency inside of every one of us to have an attitude that is sinful. But let's just call it for what it is tonight, complaining is a sin. Now, let me give you a definition of complaining, because I think complaining can be a little bit confused, and, and maybe you're like, well, can I say anything negative about anything? Well, let me give you a working definition. If you're taking notes, write this down. Complaining, this is what we're talking about tonight, the type of complaining that's a sin. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction. Y'all know that. Murmur, just don't like this. With a circumstance that is not wrong, all right? We're going to break this down. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with the circumstance that is not wrong and about which I'm doing nothing to correct. This is the type of complaining that we're talking about tonight. Let me break that down real quick. Complaining is about things that aren't wrong, all right? This is you complaining about the traffic. It's not wrong, all right? It's just traffic, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's complaining about things like, you know, like, uh, like the weather, you know? Like, it's just, you can't control the weather. You just complain about it, all right? The weather's not right. It's not wrong, okay? As opposed to complaining about things that are wrong. You know, you shouldn't complain about the traffic, but you should complain about humans being trafficked, all right? Amen? If there's something evil, it's not wrong for you to say, hey, that's not right, okay? 
And I believe more of God's people should say those sort of things. You should, you should complain about things that are evil. This isn't the complaining that we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the type of complaining about certain things that aren't evil, all right? And, and so I think that there's sometimes we, we can hear a message like this and we think, well, I guess I can't, like, do anything to stand up against anything. I guess I can't even talk to God about some things that are heavy on my heart. Listen, no, you can go to God and you can say, God, this is not right in my life. I'm going to complain to you about something that needs to change in me. God, this is not right in the world. I'm going to go to you and complain about something that needs to change in the world. That's okay. We're not talking about that complaining. We're talking about the complaining about things that just, you know, they're not evil. They're just, you're just complaining about stuff. And complaining, what we're talking about tonight is you being dissatisfied with a circumstance that's not wrong about what you're doing nothing about. See, the type of complaining that God does, does not like is when you complain about something that you're doing nothing to help. It's like you complaining about your roommate not cleaning up the kitchen when you've got to tiptoe through your bedroom to get to your bed, right? It's like you're going you're gonna to decry all of their dirtiness while you are doing the same thing. That's weird, right? It's the person that's up in the stands complaining about all the calls on the field and all of the coaching when you have the chance to actually get in the game and do something about it, right? And that's the type of complaining that we're talking about when you're complaining about a circumstance that you're not even doing anything to help out with. Uh, complaining, it's, it's about a circumstance. It's about your lot in life. It's not really about people. We're going to get to that later in this series. That's being critical. And then finally, you need to know this, that complaining is not just an outward thing. I think some of us, I'm this way, I can, I can usually hold my tongue and think that I'm doing a good thing, and sometimes that is a good thing, but I can mistake, or I can make a mistake thinking because I didn't say a complaint that God is somehow like, oh, his heart's in the right place because my heart is in the wrong place. And, and I might not say something against you, but I'm going to give you a face like, you know, I'm going to be frustrated, you know what I'm saying? And just because you're not complaining outwardly doesn't mean that God doesn't see what's going on inwardly. We're talking about issues of the heart tonight. We're talking about the attitude that God, he looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And listen, the Bible's showing us very clearly tonight that when the people chose to complain, it displeased the Lord, and it says this, that, that the Lord heard it. I mean, God hears our complaints, every one of them. I think that we can hear a message like this, and we think, well, what's the big deal, man? I'm just, I just wrote a review on Amazon. I mean, I just, I just like was just talking about my boss at, and with my coworkers, and what's the big deal? Listen, it's a very big deal because it's hurting you. It's hurting God. It's hurting other people when you complain. See, sin always hurts people. It's hurting you by putting your heart in a bad place. If you're given over to a complaining attitude, then it's going to lead you into a pattern of thinking that this world owes you something that it doesn't owe you. It's going to lead you into a pattern of thinking of it's never good enough for you. And you're always complaining and always got to just always kind of nitpick all of the little things. And nobody wants to be around that. It's hurting you. It's also hurting God. See, God is glorious. God is holy. He is righteous in all of his ways. And when God has brought you into a situation and you're just complaining about it, it's defaming the glory of God, especially if you claim to be a follower of Christ. It's also hurting other people. You ever been around somebody that's complaining? Man, you get around somebody's complaining, it's like, you know what, now that they're complaining, I, I want to complain about some things too, you know? And like, like you get around the person that's complaining, and it just like sucks the morale out of the office, right? And like somebody starts complaining, it's just contagious, and it's hurting you, it's hurting God, and, and it's hurting other people. I don't know about you, but, but when I started studying this, man, I, 
I don't know if y'all know what conviction is, <laughs> but I got convicted, y'all. I was like, man, brother, need to change, you know? Is it okay for me to share that, that I ain't had it, I don't have it all together? Is it okay for me to share that? Like, you're, like I'm, I'm not Superman up here, all right? Like, when I get shot, I bleed, okay? I fall and I flounder and I need Jesus today as much as I needed him yesterday, okay? And when I'm reading the Word of God, getting ready to serve you something, it's not like I'm reading it going, yeah, if they could get on my level, I got this all figured out. No. I mean, there are times where the heavy hand of God's conviction falls upon me. And I'm like, holy, I'm, I'm complaining about how much I'm complaining, you know? What are you complaining about? Is it traffic? Is it the food? Is it Amazon Prime? Is it AT&T? Hello? Yeah, some of y'all had a fit this week, right? Like, what's happening? Right? The people of God, they were specifically complaining about their lot in life. They didn't like the season that they were living in. They didn't like the hand that was dealt to them. I want you to think about it like this, that some of you, you've been dealt a hand, so to speak. You've been given something, and, uh, and, and, and you had an expectation of what it would be like, and, and you're not real sure if life is turning out the way that you hoped it would. Um, I had somebody that uh, I, I officiated their wedding, and so um, they gave me these shoes for a gift. Holler. This is my first Dunk Lowe's, y'all. Come on now. And, um, and so I want you to imagine that me holding this shoe represents like what you hoped life would be like for you, you know? Like you, were, you went to Mizzou, you were graduating a Tiger, you know, you was excited, and you moved to Kansas City, and you're like, man, I'm going to meet him. We're going to fall in love. We're going to get married, get a Labradoodle. We're going to move, like we're going to start in the city, but then we're going to be in Leewood, you know, and like we're going to have it all, right? And then life, life got lifey. And what you thought it was going to be, the shoe dropped. And you find yourself in the season that you're in right now, and you now have a card or a, 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 you have a hand that's been dealt to you, so to speak, that you weren't anticipating. And you're literally just waiting for the other shoe to drop in life, right? And you can find yourself thinking, man, I didn't, I didn't expect life to be this way. I, I thought that it was going to be different, and, and I thought I was going to be able to walk in this season in the way that I hoped it would all be, but then the shoe dropped, and you didn't get the promotion, and you didn't get married as, thought, as fast as you thought you would, and, and, and you didn't get as clean off of those drugs as you thought you would. You, you didn't get into the neighborhood that you thought you were going to live in. You didn't get the roommates that you thought you were going to get, and you find yourself in this season of life, and you find yourself complaining about the lot that has been cast into your lap. And listen, when you are, when you are complaining about the season of life that you're in, it's a sin. And you are in the driver's seat with how you respond to life when it gets lifey for you. You are in the driver's seat of how you respond to when things begin to fall around you. There's one famous pastor named Chuck Swindoll that says this, that life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond. And you and I are being confronted with a decision tonight. When life gets lifey and we're drop, uh, the shoe has dropped and we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak, and we have a diagnosis that we didn't see coming, we have a setback that we didn't see coming, we can make a choice. I'm either going to choose to be grateful in a difficult season or I'm going to complain. And what's easy is to complain. Complaining is a sin that leads to a wilderness. 
and complaining, it robs you of the grace of God. See, God is willing to help you through the challenges that you're facing. And if what you thought it was going to be, it has turned out to be something else. Listen, complaining is not going to fix anything. You cannot complain and pray at the same time. And God has grace for you that he wants to give you so that you can endure the thing that you're going through. But you have to stop complaining. And you have to ask God to move into your situation and help you. You ever think about why God lets life get so lifey sometimes? You ever think about why God would allow some setbacks from time to time? You ever think about why God would allow you to go through a quarter-life crisis? You ever think about why God would allow some difficulty in our lives? Maybe, just maybe, let me change your or challenge your paradigm real quick. What if it's God's mercy to allow difficulty in your life? Because here's what I know to be true about my life. It was in seasons of difficulty that I had to draw near to God. And it was in seasons of pleasure and abundance that I found myself drifting away from God. That God allowed life to get lifey in my life out of his mercy. Because he knew that if he gave me everything that my heart desired, then my heart would wander away from him. And that maybe God has allowed some things to happen in your life so that you'll draw near to him. Because the reality is, most of us want God to give us enough so that we don't need him. Most of us want God to bless us enough so that we don't really need him. And when we're in seasons where we're like, God, I need you. I need you to give me grace. That is one of the sweetest times in life. And typically, you're not ready to pursue the Lord until you're ready to acknowledge that you're in a wilderness and you need him to lead you through that thing to a promised land. But instead, so often, we complain. And listen, when we give in to complaining, God hates it. Again, in Numbers 11.1, 1, it says this. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it. And it says this, and his anger was aroused. Point number two, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. God, not only is our complaining a sin, but God hates our complaining. Note this, God doesn't hate you. He hates the thing that you're giving yourself into or over to. God doesn't hate people. He loves all people, but he hates the things that we choose to do that separate us from him. And God hates our complaining. You see God's response. His anger was aroused. I mean, he gets fired up, literally, all right? And we see this pattern all throughout the book of Numbers. In Numbers 11.10, it says this, Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. And Moses was also displeased. Numbers 11.33 says this, But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. Flip over the next chapter, Numbers 12, verse 9. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Towards the end of the book of Numbers, Numbers 25.4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord. Out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And then in Numbers 32, 14, it says this, And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. In the book of Numbers, we have the greatest concentration of God's anger being expressed. Why? Because God is very concerned with the matters of the heart. Again, man looks at the outward appearance, but God is looking at every heart that is here tonight. And he's wanting to find hearts that are fully surrendered unto him. And he doesn't want you to look at your lot in life and complain about what he has done in your life. Uh, my wife and I, we have three kids. 
And our oldest is 12, our youngest is 7, we got a 10, uh, one that's 10 in, in, in the middle. And I want you to imagine that my wife and I, we went out and we left the kids at home by themselves and we came home and, and, and we walk in, like all the lights are on in the house and, and uh, like TV's on, and, but the kids aren't really anywhere. And we're like, where are the kids at? And we start looking down every room and, and then kids aren't in there and then I, I hear some talking down in, in the room at the end of the hall. So I walk, I walk down the hall and I'm, I put my ear to the door and I hear the oldest daughter, Lydia, she's like, yeah, yeah, this place, it totally stinks, you know? Like, I just, I just wish we had a different house, you know? I wish it was bigger and I wish it was cooler. And, 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 then, and then I hear the, the 10-year-old like, yeah, yeah. And, and our yard, it's just so lame. And I just, I just hate what mom and dad have given us. And all of our clothes, oh, we're like the, we're a homeschool family and we look like it, you know? And and then the little seven-year-old, like her little sweet boy, she pops up. She's like, yeah, and mom's cooking. It's just not, you know. And like I hear them just complaining to each other about our house and about what the life we provided for them. And like I think initially like my heart would be hurt. I'd be so sad. And then like three seconds later after I got over that, right, I'm barging through the door saying, hey, what's the big deal in here? What are you all complaining about? And my anger would be aroused because, man, my wife and I, we've labored and we've sacrificed to give them the life that we've given them. And like, and I'm just a carnal, sinful person, and I would be frustrated with my children. I would discipline them. And God, he's perfect. He's good in all of his ways. He's sovereign. He's, he's holy. He's pure. And so when he hears his children complaining about the life that they have, it hurts his heart, but then it fires him up. And to take it a step further, I mean, God, he was offering these people the promised land. Like, like imagine in the story, like if my kids were complaining and, and like just like a week before I, I had offered them to go move into a better house right down the street, if they would just follow my leadership and they had said, no, we don't want to do that. We don't believe that you have keys to that house. And then they have relegated themselves to this place. And now all they want to do is complain about this place too. You better believe I'm going to be frustrated. And what we're seeing tonight is that God feels the same way. And I think the reason why God is so angry is because he wanted so much more for these people. I mean, he, he's like, man, I'm trying to liberate you from slavery. And, and I'm trying to lead, like, see the bigger picture here. I'm trying to lead you from slavery in Egypt to being in the promised land and then being a light unto the world he wanted them to be a nation that was established so that they could be a blessing to the utter ends of the earth. And they said, we don't want that purpose for our life. We would rather live in the desert. And then they chose to live in the desert and then complain about God providing them a cloud by day and a fire by night and manna and all these other things that we're going to see. And God's just like, guys, I don't know what to do with y'all. And his heart is hurt, but also his heart is angry because God hates our complaining. And then finally, we see this in Numbers 11.1, 1, the, the consequence of their complaining. It says this, that, that so the, the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. I believe it was the people in the outskirts that were probably the furthest away from the center of the town. And they were the ones that were given themselves over to the most complaining. Typically, the people that are complaining the most are those that are the furthest from the action. And they think that they can see and that they can call shots, but listen, all they're doing is just complaining, and God cut them down. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes, you could write this down. God gives consequences for our complaining. You getting the picture tonight, Paradigm? 
the complaining, it's not a good thing. And if you may have come in here tonight and you may have been given over to an attitude that is not godly, and God is, he is taking notes. God keeps receipts on your attitudes, all right? And he's taking notes, and he sees the way that you're thinking and the way that you're responding to life. And he takes it very, very serious because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has a promised land for you spiritually. He has a mission for you. And if you're given over to an attitude or a pattern of thinking over time that is complaining, you're going to miss out on all that God wants for your life. And so there's consequences to our complaining. The consequences here, sadly, is death. That they died in an instant. The fire of God, which represents God's judgment, fell upon people that were given over to complaining. Now, I don't think that God's fire is going to fall upon us today. I don't know. I mean, God's God. He can do what he wants to do. But I think this is in the Bible because it's a pretty unique time in history. But I do think that God will allow you to live a life of complaining. And you may not be struck in an instant by the judgment of God, but you may be experiencing the judgment of God by giving yourself over to complaining for the rest of your life. And you're going to be the older person that's just complaining and nothing's ever good enough, and you're going to end up lonely or distant from people that tried to love you. And you need to be careful. And tonight is a night where we evaluate and audit our attitude, so to speak, because there are consequences to complaining. Every time we sin, it leads to a death of sorts, if not a literal death. And God's pouring out his judgment, his cleansing judgment, that when God senses our complaining, his first reaction is to judge it. Now, I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we're like, golly, God is like, he is intense, you know? Like, he kind of flew off the handle there. You know what? You want to hear a phrase that God's never said? Hey, I'm sorry. I went a little too far right there. Would you forgive me? Okay? God is perfect. God is sovereign. God is calculated in everything that he does. And so he's not just flying off the handle. He's not overreacting. He's trying to help us see how serious this thing really is. And this is a lesson that it seems like the rest of the biblical authors keep pointing back to. They're like, remember how God like, judged those people in the wilderness? Whew, we don't want that, you know? And so you read about it in the Psalms. You read about it in the prophets and in the Gospels. They keep talking about what happened to the people of God in the wilderness, in the desert. And so if you're checking out thinking, well, that's just an Old Testament event, like it's not that big a deal. Listen, this is one of the Old Testament events that everyone in the Bible is talking about. And in the New Testament, it tells us clearly that this event was locked in time for us to know how God feels about our attitude. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6, it says, now these things became our examples. And Paul, the guy that wrote this, he begins to just lay out some different things, and then he picks it up and he says that we're not to complain in verse 10. We're not to complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. It says this in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition or our training, our coaching, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And I love this, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That complaining is like, it's like as common as cookie crumbs in a bakery, right? Like we all just come in here and it's like the air that we breathe, right? And there are things in our life, I mean, again, when the shoe has dropped and we're waiting for the other shoe to drop, there, there are things that, that are difficult in these rooms that we are in tonight. And I don't want to minimize those things. I don't want to minimize the struggle of, 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 a, of a, a diagnosis. I don't want to minimize the struggle of a family situation or of a season of difficulty. But I do want to call you to be in the driver's seat and choose 
an attitude that will bring glory to God and choose not to complain, to stop complaining. And I don't know about you, but when I hear a message like this, I'm like, again, I've already said it, man, I, I get convicted. Because there are certain things that I believe should be a certain way, and when they don't get done a certain way, I'm like, I'm going to let you hear about it, you know? Or I'm, gonna, I'm just going to show it with my face. I'm just going to see that you, you know? And I just will murmur, and this, I, like when I hear about all of the, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so convicted. And some of you, you're right there with me. You hear a message like this, and you're like, man, i got some work to do. And others of you, you're completely blind. You're like, this is the worst message ever. Why do I even come here? You know, I don't even need this word. I wish somebody else was in here. And you're just complaining in your heart, all the while blind to the fact that you need to repent of your complaining, right? And I think sometimes we can hear a message like this and we can think, well, is this the goal of Christianity, just to kind of suck it up and to do better? And we can hear messages like this and we should take heed to these messages. But we can oftentimes think that this is the purpose or the goal of Christianity, but you need to remember that the Bible gives us the way that we ought to live, but also it shows us that we can't live that way perfectly. None of us have a perfect attitude in here, all right? And if you think that the goal of Christianity is for you to go out and you to suck it all in and get it all together so that you can have a perfect attitude and never complain, listen, you're going to fall short of that, all right? And so you need to know this, that the goal of Christianity is for you to understand that you can't do it perfectly. That's why you need Jesus. And so before we finish tonight, I just want to remind you of the hope of Christianity. The hope of Christianity is that Jesus came to take our place so that we could, by faith, dwell in the promised land that he came from. That Jesus, think about Jesus, the Son of God, he was perfect, joyful, never complained about anything illegitimately, all right? He was always righteous and always right in his attitude, but Jesus chose to die in a wilderness separated from God so that we who are like really good at complaining, right? And we've got all kinds of murmuring and bad attitudes. And we're like spoiled kids and it's never good enough, you know? That's who we are. Jesus chose to leave his promised land to die in our wilderness so that we could leave our wilderness and enter into his promised land. And the hope of Christianity it's not that you do better. The hope of Christianity is you allow Jesus to change your heart so that you want to do better and that you choose an attitude that would glorify God. So tonight, stop complaining. That's the message. And many of you are like, all right, I got it. I got it. I got it clear. This was a spicy one tonight. But how? But how? And if you want to know how to stop complaining and what to start doing, going to have to come back next week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you that uh, we can hear a message like this <laughs> that seems like such a try harder, do better, stop it. I just thank you that we can hear a message like that, but we can put it in the grand scheme of the gospel, knowing that, man, <laughs> We all fall short of the glory of God in our attitudes and our actions and that there's hope for us in Christ. And so God, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would, they would see clearly that you love them so much so that you left your promised land heaven. You came on a rescue mission and you didn't just wave us into the promised land, so to speak. 
didn't just wave us into the blessing, but you went on a rescue mission. And God, you, you chased us down in a wilderness and you offered to us something better. And instead of the fire of God falling on us, it fell upon you. And so God, I just thank you for the cross. And I thank you for forgiveness and grace. But God, I pray that tonight we would run an audit on our attitude and that we would not abuse the forgiveness that many of us have received, but we would be your people. And God, there'd just be a sense of buoyancy around the body of Christ. When every man and woman that's here tonight goes back to their respective places of influence, God, they would be the person in the office, they'd be the person in the apartment building, they'd be the person in the dorm, they'd be the person in wherever they're at, in the gym, that just brings goodness. They'd be the person that, you know, when the temperature drops to 15 degrees in a day, they say, praise God. They'd be the person when traffic hits, they'd say, you know what? It's all good. I get more time to worship. God, they'd be the person that when the shoe falls in their life, they wouldn't just wait for the other shoe to drop. But they would say, you know what? I didn't expect this to happen. But God's got a plan. And God is good. And God is sovereign. And though I may be single and hitting 35, God, may I be going through some difficulties in my family? May I be going through some hard times financially? God, you're up to something. God, I pray that there would just be this attitude of seeking you and not complaining. God, that we would stop complaining. And God, I pray that the heavy hand of conviction from the Holy Spirit, it would fall the way that it needs to. And then the warm embrace of a loving father would beckon all of us into right relationship so that you would chasten those whom you love you would discipline those who are your sons and your daughters but we would know it is for our good ultimately and so god i pray we wouldn't make it about anything else but a relationship with you and god we would come back to the heart of worship where it's all about you we would see that ultimately our attitudes and our actions are an expression of our worship and ad admiration of you. So God, I, I pray we wouldn't make this about anything else other than that. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray.